Good morning, Tabernacle. It is a great day to be in church, in my opinion. I want to welcome those who are in Manistee, uh, especially, and uh, uh, those who, of course, are here in Buckley. And I want to alert our tech director that it sounds like a bomb is about ready to go off right here to my right. I'm not sure what that is, but we're going to have to kick that over. I don't know if Matt's around, but uh, uh, while we're sorting that out, uh, I would like to uh, just give you a quick report on this past weekend. We had uh, our Man Up event, and it was outstanding. We had about 130 men uh, from the Buckley campus, from Manistee, from other campuses uh, that all got together at Lake Ann Camp, uh, along with Bayview Church. And about two-thirds of the men uh, came from our church, and it was just an unbelievable time of fellowship. Now, I want to say publicly, especially the men in Manistee, but also to those in Buckley, we thought there was going to be steak on the last night, and we know that was a little bit of a ruckus, but we powered through, did we not? We powered through with rockets and good attitudes, so uh, that was not false advertising. We will sort that out. I assure you. But uh, for those of you that weren't there, uh, it was just a great time of worship, just a great time of uh, men coming together. Our speaker, Foster Christie, is actually right here, the fine-looking gentleman on the front row. Can we give it up for Foster? That was outstanding. You can clap too, man, Steve. We like him. Yeah. Um, Before the first session ever began, or before the first speaking of the first session ever began, we actually had three men give their lives to Christ. We haven't even preached a word yet. So it's evident that God was on. Yeah, we could celebrate that too. I think we probably should. That was the best part. Yeah. Besides that, uh, my, my, my personal favorite moment was the tech director of the tabernacle, our own Matt Hughes, who just sorted that out for us. Uh, he was on guitar and someone unleashed him to give us a guitar solo in worship song number three. So just to all the dudes that couldn't make it, we know that, you know, you were like, oh, it's probably lame. A bunch of guys holding hands in the woods. No, it wasn't. All right. There was a moment when Matt Hughes was full power lunge. He was shredding a la Megadeth and the little Satriani mixed together. And he even had the face. He was doing the, this hurts me face, you know, type of deal. Guys are looking for lighters so they could just go, it was, yeah, for the glory of God, of course. It was amazing. So uh, if you missed it, you missed it, but uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, The worship too, we have a photo of this, um, uh, and that that was a special moment when you had 130, 40 some men with their hands in the air worshiping God like they just don't care. So thanks for all of those who are part of it. Uh, I see some of you already yawning here. I don't know if they're yawning in Manistee. I think Britton Bishop is yawning because uh, he told Adam Sharp uh, that he was. But uh, we'll give you a pass today um, um, for yawning in church. We won't count that against you. If you're a dude, if you're a lady and you're yawning in church, um, that shouldn't happen. Uh, if you have a Bible, we're in Luke chapter 18 of our Son of God series. And I'd love to set it up this way, is that um, people have different ways of getting ready. Like, for example, our family, we know spring break is coming. And, and because we're Christian, when it's spring break, we always try to find the sun and go south. Unlike heathens of the north that are like, oh, it's spring break. Let's go to Canada. Well, some of you do, right? Let's go to the upper peninsula. It's still Christmas there, right? But we like to go south. And After 30 years of marriage, I've discovered my wife and I have different ways of preparing to go, of getting ready. Now, I have her permission to say this. She starts planning three weeks or three months in advance. She is her father's daughter. 
and her mother's daughter. So she has a list of things. She's sorting those things out. She's making sure all the children have proper shoes for whatever we're going to. This is weeks in advance. She's making a list and, as it were, checking it twice. She starts packing the week of, making sure all the laundry's done, prepping the things, so that when the day arrives for us to go, she has an itinerary, and we're going to probably be packed and ready three hours before the time. So there's my family and my wife. They're three hours prepped and packed. Are you guys with me? Maybe you're one of these people, all right? If you're married to one of these people, I feel your pain. On the contrary, this is me. Day of. What day are we leaving? Oh, it's today. All right, I just got to run by the office real quick, right? And, and sort some things out. And then I come back and it's like, where are we going? Oh, someplace hot. I got to find shorts, right? And, uh, and I can pack for myself. I'm not that helpless. But usually, you know, it's kind of last minute. And where's the passport? We have to wear a mask for this thing, you know, all that dumb stuff. And uh, as my wife would say, usually the family is in the vehicle ready to go and dad's not in there yet. The vehicle is on. You know, the kids have already chosen their spot in the family truckster. And at the last minute, I decide, you know, before we go, I I think I'd like to redo this deck. (laughs) It's that situation, right? Now, I don't know which end of the spectrum you're on on getting ready, but if you were here last week, You know, we preached a message based on Luke chapter 17 and the words that Jesus said there. And I'm going to give you a quick summary of all three points of the message. Essentially, what Jesus said in Luke 17 was that he's coming back and you need to be ready. That was a pretty brilliant point, if I do say so myself. We don't know the day, the time, or the hour. We know it'll be immediate. It'll be sudden. You won't have even a clue. It's like a thief in the night. One will be there, one will be not. Jesus is coming back, you need to be ready. That was last week. And then the second point, in case you didn't get the first one, was this. That Jesus is coming back and you need to be ready. And I know it's frustrating some of you guys because you were like, all right, write something new, right? So because of that, we gave you a third point. And the third point was simply this. Jesus is coming back and you need to be ready, right? And over and over and over again, the Son of God says that. Now, when we go to Luke chapter 18, the interesting thing is you find in our study, Jesus tells us what ready looks like. What ready looks like. And if you've been reading ahead, you're like, well, no, it starts a new, like, random disassociated set of teachings. No, it's not. In fact, if, you, if you're new to the Bible and didn't know this, the... the The chapter numbers, Jesus didn't put in there. Man did. The little breaks, the little, like Jesus didn't at the end of of his discourse on he's coming back and you need to be ready. He didn't go, all right, good. End of 17, starting 18, new chapter. Here we go. You got your pens? No. So 18 is a continuation of the same sermon, the same speech. And he tells us what ready looks like. So with that in mind, if, if you'll turn to Luke 18, we're going to take the three different parts. We'll take them just a chunk at a time, and we'll let Jesus tell us what ready looks like. Is that cool with you? Is that cool with you? Come on. If you weren't at man retreat, you better carry the energy here just a little bit. Ladies, is that cool with you? All right. Oh, that was, whoa. I'm going to step back right there. Okay. 
Don't ask for that again. All right. Verse one. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Now, one of the cool things about Dr. Luke is even if you don't think you can quite understand the parable, he told you in the very first verse what the meaning of the parable is, right? So if you do have a Bible, either on a device or here, I'll just read it to you. In the first verse, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. That's the point. So the first part of being ready is to be persistent, to be persistent, The point of the parable is that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now, that's simple. I don't know if you've ever prayed for something and you've asked because you've treated God like a genie or maybe it was a real deep-seated need and you were like, Lord, I really need this. Please change my husband because I'm about to kill him. Or uh, would you change these kids because someone's going to prison if you don't? Or, Or whatever it is. Maybe it's a medical thing. Maybe it's some kind of healing. Maybe it's a financial situation, depression. I don't know. But we pray And we can lose heart really quick, can't we? Can't we? We're human beings. Now, I don't know everything there is to know about prayer. I do know this, is God's a for real God, and he'll decide whether or not to answer the prayer, and he'll answer it how he wants to answer it. As we've said a thousand times at our church, God always answers prayer. And he always answers it one of two ways. It's either yes or I have a better idea. And the problem is, is we want the yes, but when he has a better idea, we don't like that, so we stop praying. And what does he say? I want you to persist. Persist. We ought to always be praying and not lose heart. And, and the parable he tells is of, a, is of an unrighteous judge, just a bad dude with no morals, and neither feared God nor respected man. And here's a widow. We don't know her situation, but we know she's all alone. She needs justice, and there's no recourse. There's no family, and so she goes to the law. And he doesn't, he doesn't care about her, and he doesn't fear God, so he doesn't want to listen. But the problem is, is this widow wears him out. She just keeps coming day after day after day after day. And Jesus' parable, finally, he, the unrighteous judge, who's a smart guy, is like, listen, I'm just going to give her justice so she'll quit bugging me. Because she's persistent. And the point of the parable is he goes, how much more your heavenly father, who loves you, who cares about you, who blesses you, who favors you, you're his chosen ones if you're saved. He says he cares so much more. Be persistent in your prayers. That's how to be ready. Church, are you with me? But it's more than just persistent in your prayers. This is an attitude of the heart. 
He's talking about praying, but I would suggest he's also saying, be persistent in your faith. Be persistent in your following. Be persistent in the good works he's called you to. Be persistent in your serving. We lack persistence in 2022. We want instant gratification. We want a genie in a bottle, not a savior on a cross. Isn't that true? You say, be persistent. Don't give up. Don't quit. Now, I want to be careful here. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but, you know, I, I, I was on social media, um, I think it was last night, and the, whatever one I was on, they'll, they'll, they'll bring up a memory of 10 years ago, eight years ago, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, there's a picture, and you're like, oh, I was, oh, cool. I was fatter then, not now, <laughs> you know? Or the opposite, oh, bro, I've let myself go. <laughs> whatever it is, right? Well, there was this picture, and I love this picture. It was a missions trip that I was on. It was a missions trip I was on with seven other guys. And, uh, man, it was, a, it was a situation that we went into. And in that moment, like all the memory, I mean, we were tight. I mean, it was like a commando mission. There was danger involved, you know? It was sketch. I started looking at these faces, these men who I love and loved, I realized four, four out of the eight of those guys, they don't call this church their home anymore. And sadly, three, three of those four, I, I don't think they walk with Jesus anymore. And this wave of, man, what, those are good guys. Those are brave guys. They didn't persist. They got distracted. Things got tough, maybe. I don't know, and I'm not bus chucking anybody, but... You can pick out the empty seat or the, you know, the dude that didn't make it to the retreat or the person that used to be strong in your life, and then all of a sudden they just weren't. It just breaks your heart, doesn't it? Imagine how much more with God the Father. It's like, I called you. I chose you. My son died for you. Jesus persisted. Why is it so hard for us to be persistent in faith? He asks this question. He says, I tell you, speaking of God, he'll give justice to those that persist speedily. But he asks a question of us. He goes, nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith here? What does that mean? I think what he's saying is you never, ever, ever have to second guess whether God will persist in his love and his salvation for you. The question is not on his end. The question is on our end. Now, because this is the tabernacle, I'm just going to go there. If you want to start a fight in church, um, because I like to, (laughs) you bring up the question of uh, predestination, or not, 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 not predestination, whether or not we're eternally secure. Once you're saved, is that forever, or can you lose it or misplace it? In fact, one of the coolest moments for me personally in the retreat is I got to stay up late on Friday and sit in a rocking chair with a friend uh, who goes to the Buckley campus, and we just started talking about that. And there's been some hard times in his life. There's been some loss in his life, and we got on that subject. And he, he wasn't really asking me my opinion. He was just trying to say, this is what I know to be true about God, is that he's loving and that he's persistent. And he said, I wonder if it's not that God will ever dispose of us, if it's will we ever dispose of God. 
We got into a deep convo. Am I making sense to you? There's no question of whether he'll persist. And that's a hard thing because the, you know, scared people are like, oh, don't say that, John, because then people will just you know, breathe some prayer and then sin as much as they want to. They'll just send their little hind's ends off thinking they're eternally secure. We need people to have the fear of God in them. Well, I'm not sure that person was ever saved in the first place. But I know this. He calls us to be persistent and our prayers, and our faith, and you're not going to get it right. You're going to mess up. I mess up. We all mess up. It's what do you do after you mess up? You get up, dust yourself off, and show up at church again. There's too many men. I'm going to speak to men because there was a man up weekend. Too many men, they mess up one time, and people know about it, and they go, well, I'm never showing my face in that church again. Why? Because it's a small town and we all know how you screwed up? That's when Jesus says, will I find faith on earth? Aren't you glad God persists with us? The least we can do is get up and persist with him. You know, it says in the uh, book of James, James chapter 1, Verse two, it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Following Jesus is going to be hard. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There's a purpose. And he wants us to persist with him, the way he's persisted and will persist with us. That's what it looks like to be ready. But there's more. It just felt like a TV commercial. But wait, there's more. Set of knives. No, I'm just kidding. Verse 9. He also, this is Jesus, told this parable. To some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Now, again, Luke's telling you what the parable's about. Be careful if you think that you've got it all figured out. Be careful if you think that you're good and good is good enough. Be careful if you have pride and look down on others. Well, you know, when they're a Christian as long as I am, then da, 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 da. Here's the parable. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, that's a religious person, standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Who prays like that? Like it's almost comical, this parable Jesus is telling. Who stands up? Like what if I stood up here in church and, you know, Lord, thank you that I am a holy man that I get paid to do holy things and I'm not like that wicked roofer and that, you know, plumber and that man who can't sort out his pants. You know, I mean, what if I prayed that way, you know? And forget the refugee Catholics and Manistee, good gosh. I mean, what if I did that? That's gross, right? Well, he's making a point. So he says, or even like this tax collector. And then he goes on to talk about all his accomplishments. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, 
standing far off. He would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You know what it looks like to be ready in the waiting? And I don't know. We're not these wild eye prophecy types. Jesus could come back in a thousand years or he could come back in the next breath. I don't know. And neither do you. But what it looks like to be ready besides being persistent is to be humble, to stay low. If there's one thing my friend and mentor Foster said to me over the years, and we've even ended phone calls. Hey, John, one more thing. Stay low. Stay low. Stay humble. Don't exalt yourself. We don't puff ourselves up. That's the best way to get knocked down. Who are we to ever exalt ourselves before God? Because the most righteous thing we could ever do, Scripture says, is like filthy rags. Oh, look at me. I'm kind of a big deal. I've got it figured out. I know my Bible. I got a bunch of knowledge. That doesn't mean anything. You can know everything about this book, but if it hasn't dropped the 18 inches to your heart and apply to your life, it's just nothing. It's like a big turd. I'm not trying to be gross. I'm trying to get us to open our eyes and open our ears. More than that, open our hearts. We stay low before God. And here's this tax collector looking down on others. You don't think that happens in church? It does. Words matter. And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings again, but sometimes I do on accident. I, I have conversations all the time with people. And hey, do you know such and such? Oh, I don't know. And then, you know, I've told you this before. It's like, oh yeah, such and such. Oh, he's a really good Christian. He's a really good Christian. What's a bad Christian? Oh, so there's levels. Is there levels or is there not levels? No. Christian is this level. Level field. It says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What a beautiful prayer. What a beautiful prayer. So he says, part of being ready is being humble. So it's interesting when, when, when you know, Jesus in 17 is saying, you know, I'm coming back, you need to be ready. And it's like, do I need to get the accounts right? Do I need to pack my bags? Are we going to take some things to heaven? Is that what we're, I mean, we all think about the stuff and he's talking about our hearts. So when he says, be persistent, not just in your prayers and in your faith, but in the fact that there's lost people that we care about and lost people that we don't that need to hear about Jesus because he's coming back and we're not ready yet. We need to tell them, we need to show them, we need to invite them. I was so grateful for the men this weekend who invited people from other towns and other churches. Come here, you need your fire lit for Christ. Some of us can't even be bothered to show up more than once every six weeks to church. I said that, I'm not being hurtful, I'm telling the truth. If that hurts your feelings, that's on you. That's on you, I'm sorry. We're called to be persistent, but in that, we're also called to stay humble. It's not about what we know, it's about what he did, right? 
I love how he says, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Again, in James chapter four, it says the exact same thing, the exact same thing. You know, I've been a part of Fight Club uh, as long as it's been around here. And I'll tell you the table I hate to sit at is if I'm ever at a table and there's just a bunch of dudes that know the Bible real well, but all they want to do is talk about how much they know. And usually they're doing an exegesis and they got a strong concordance and they got a whole bunch of knowledge. But they always struggle when you get around to the part where you say, okay, how does that apply to you now? Well, you know, this is just good to know. Oh, you don't want to open up a little bit and say how you haven't loved your wife well or how you haven't been the best dad you could be or where you don't always get it right at work. You know what I'm saying? That's who we're called to be. Humble says there's still more of God that I need. There's more grace that I seek. There's more learning I have to do. There's more changing that I have to do. What ready looks like is persistent and it's humble. And then last but not least, in verse 15, same setting, by the way, same sermon. There's chaos and there's people. It says, now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called to them saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Now, again, it was when I read that little bit, which I've heard a thousand times before, usually in a sermon where it was like kids Sunday and a pastor would say, and now since Jesus said, let the children come to me, would you send all your kids down to the front? And I'm going to tell an awkward Bible story on the steps with a bunch of kids who really don't want to be there. Remember that? And ever, you know, all the moms be, oh, that's so sweet. Well, the pastor ain't Jesus. And that's just weird because when it happened to me at age five, I was creeped out and scarred for life, right? Because it's just a show, all right? Now, I'm not trying to hurt, but I'm just, sorry, that's the child of the Christian ghetto. So you heard, let the children come to me. I never associated it with this sermon that Jesus was giving about his second coming. And he's saying, this is another picture of what it looks like to be ready. Because the whole thing began when the Pharisees said, uh, uh, when, when is the kingdom of God coming? And now he ties it up right there. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Another thing I didn't catch till this week is he says they were bringing even infants to them. Infants. You know what that is? That's a baby. Now, by God's grace, my wife and I have been blessed with an infant in our old age because we're grandparents, right? Little Avonlea Grace or Avy, Avy Bean, as I like to call her, right? She's not even one yet. And that picture was in my house like three or four days this week. As I'm prepping, I just started watching her in a different way. We're supposed to receive the kingdom like Avi does. How does Avi do it? I come in the room, pop, pop. Do it again. I go around the corner, pop, pop. I could do that for a half an hour, right? Oh, boo, 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 boo. 
sound like a bunch of gorillas in there or something, you know? I'm Daddy Kerchak. You know, it doesn't matter. Have you ever seen a baby? Just the joy. You know what? It, you know what dawned on me about infants? They don't get bored. They don't get bored. You know, you try to entertain them. They're chewing on a box. You know, got to keep the place gated. They'll be crawling and rolling down this. They don't get bored. Infants don't write letters uh, 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 to the church office to complain about music. Or the temp of coffee. Or, you know, does Tim Burgess need a haircut? They don't. They're just happy to be there. They don't get bored. You know what else? They're full of delight. Every minute is an adventure. She fights it to go to sleep, but she wants to go to sleep. And then last night, you know, she was laying on her mama, and, and, and I came in the moment she woke up, and she woke up and just went, bah. It was like, I can breathe, you know? It's like she loves me. She doesn't know why, because I make the goofy faces. But you know what else there is about infants and receiving the kingdom of God? They're persistent. You notice that? Children are. See, this last parable kind of sums up the first two points, persistent and humble, and then he's going to make a new point too. Children by nature are persistent because, you know, they get older. Have you ever heard this? Dad, 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 dad. Have you ever heard that? My youngest daughter, she's 16, and she needed picked up, and I was just a few minutes late, and it was, Dad, are you coming to pick me up? And the next text said, Dad. And then, I kid you not, there were 12 single-word texts, Dad, 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 Dad. <laughs> Children are persistent, right? They don't know any better. In the middle of the night, that infant starts crying. You know what Jesus says? Persist in your prayers and do not give up that's us. That's us. Be persistent like a child. Children by nature are humble. They're humble. Little babies, little kids, you know, they blow out a diaper and mama's changing them right on the church lobby floor in front of God and all these witnesses, right? Wiping their butts. I've seen it happen. It's weird, but, um, oh no, but everybody's have kids here, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. That kid's not like, I'm scarred for life. The kid's just like, <laughs> I'm getting clean. That's humble. Children don't care what you think of them. That's why they make scenes in the restaurant, in the store, at church. And Jesus says, unless you receive the kingdom like a child, they don't get bored. They delight. They're, they're not self-conscious. Children raise their hands like they don't care in worship. Just like Avie will reach out two hands when she's on the floor and I asked if she wants me to, you want to pick up? Bye. Lastly, children, and most importantly, are completely dependent. Completely dependent. They're dependent, an infant, for food, for shelter, for security, for clothing, to keep clean. Without mom, dad, family, adults, infant will be eaten by the wolves. What does ready look like? To live completely dependent. Dependent on God 
for blessing, dependent on God for security, dependent on God for the future, dependent on God for our next breath, dependent on God that it isn't my job to figure out is this guy going to receive Christ or not? It's just my job to obey. God said, go and make disciples of all nations. So I'm going to go ahead and invite him because God said so. That's dependence. Dependence doesn't determine whether or not to share what Christ has done in my life. Dependence says, I'm going to do it because you told me to do it anyways. And I'm dependent on you for the results. You're in charge, not me. That's a, that's a child. You know, it's interesting. Jesus didn't say... Uh, uh, unless you achieve the kingdom of God. Did you ever thought about that? We don't achieve the kingdom. He, he didn't say, unless you advance the kingdom of God. That's what we're here to do, advance the kingdom of God. He doesn't say that. That's religion. That's all the other religions. That's works-based Christianity, performance-based faith. He says, all you get to do is put out your little hands and receive it. Again, just like Avi, she's got these, her mom's all healthy. She's got these little puffs. And I love when I get the chance to give her a little peach puff. It's a little like, it's really a Cheeto. My, wife, or my daughter thinks it's healthy, but it's like a tiny peach Cheeto is what it is, right? When I give it to her and she gets those little fingers and she just goes, and then tries to find her mouth. That's us. We receive the kingdom that way. We receive the kingdom. Jesus did all the heavy lifting, did he not? He did the heavy lifting. He persisted all the way to the cross. All the way to the cross. He persisted. Even when his own disciples said, don't do it, Lord, don't go there. He went all the way to the cross. He humbled himself on the cross. He died naked and alone. The creator put to death by his creation. Men he created hung him on a cross made out of wood and steel, the very materials he put in this earth for our good. How much do you have to humble yourself to let that happen? Knowing that it's for our good. That's humble. We don't even know what humble is. He persisted to the cross. He humbled himself on the cross. And in all of that, our Savior was completely dependent on God, his Father. How many times did he say, I don't do anything that God doesn't tell me to do. I don't go anywhere he doesn't tell me to go. I and the Father are one. How many times do we see him demonstrate dependence where it would say in the book of Mark, very early in the morning, Jesus would go off to solitary places and he would pray. Why? Why did God the Son need to pray to God the Father and they're supposed, supposedly three in one? Why is he, was he praying to himself? No, he was completely dependent on his Father. And if it was good enough for the Son to be dependent on God the Father and take time to do that, how much more for us? How much more? We need the same thing, do we not? To live completely dependent the way Jesus did? That's what ready looks like. Persistence. You'll need it. You'll need it. I beg you. Someone hurts you in the church, don't run away. Stick around. You'll hurt somebody sooner or later too. Be persistent in your prayers. Be persistent with the things that you know will grow us in faith. Humble yourselves. Be humble. Stay low. Stay low. It's not about my needs. It's about what does God want. It's not about my blessing. It's about how can I be a blessing. And we, as individuals, as families, as a church, need to stay dependent. Men, 
Don't buy into the lie that if your wife sees you depending on God, that somehow that makes you weak. If a woman sees her husband living a life of complete and utter dependence on God, that in her eyes, I promise you, makes you strong. And that woman will follow that man to hell and back. So I'm going to ask the band in Manistee and here in Buckley, if you would uh, uh, make your way out here in church, would you bow your heads with me? I wonder if there's um, anyone here that hasn't been living in the light of Jesus might come back at any moment. And they know that they know that they know that they're not a Christian and they want to become one. If that's you and you don't even know what to say or what to do, I would encourage you to just pray that simple prayer of the tax collector in the story. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And if that's you and, 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 and you do that, we would love to know. And I pray before you leave either Manistee or Buckley or if you're watching online that somehow you would let us know. You'd find a staff person. We're not gonna jump you or give you a, a tattoo or anything, but if you just let us know because we wanna support you. But for the rest of us, God's calling us to persistence, to humility and dependence. And I wonder if there's maybe some repentance that some of us might have to do or a change of heart or a change of mind. If you take a moment, talk to God. Even while I'm praying, Lord, thank you. In your persistence towards us, your love that never fails, never quits. God, I thank you that your son Jesus was the most humble man to ever walk the earth. Would you help me and us to be like him? Would you help us to be a people that are completely dependent on you? Because as the word says, when we are weak, that's when we're strong because that's when your strength shows up. So help us to be like that for your glory, your glory alone, but for our joy. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And church, if you agree, would you say amen?